Join me in prayer as we go into our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the ability to conquer your promised land through through the salvation of your Son. We can definitely say we are sorry for believing salvation happens through our finite way. We ask for your infinite way to drench our souls to understand your righteousness and justice through your epic story experience both in nature and in the Bible. We now soak in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, good morning. It is good to see you and be with you this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be, uh, of course, in the Bible, the book of Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 1 in the Bible to continue our year's theme, Understanding the Bible, God's Epic Story. Now, as you're getting there, and you might, you're going to have to get there differently than we traditionally do here uh, in your, a hard copy of your Bible or you version. Uh, we posted the scripture out there for you. But uh, as you're getting there, uh, let me again say how great it is to be with you on this epic day where we get to be more better together. Everybody, let's say, everybody together say, more better together. Now you're with me. I was a little concerned there. You guys are kind of like, you're with me. That's good. Now, for those who may be wondering who I am, the person sitting next to Andy. Hi, Andy. (laughs) You might be wondering, who is this guy up here? Well, my name is Drake. I am the directing senior pastor here at Elevating Life Church. And let me say, welcome. Welcome to everyone. And I'm absolutely thrilled to share God's stimulating word uh, with uh, everyone today. Now this week, we continue the first section out of the seven of our year sequel, if you will. So there'll be seven parts throughout the year, uh, This the sequel, to understand better God's love in the main plot line. That's the first part that we're conquering uh, of God's epic story. Now today we will do this through uh, the intelligent and courageous character in the Bible, Joshua, or who I've deemed through our relevant comic book theme this year, the Batman of the Bible. I'm Batman. Come on, I practiced that a long time, Carrie. So with that, read with me our opening verse. Uh, to uncover some of the riddles, yes, I went there, uh, in the book of Joshua. So we, so to see the dangerous, I could say it this way this morning, the dangerous game of cat and mouse with God and human evil that exists in the promised land. Through a message now I've titled, Entering the Promised Land. So Joshua 1-9 excuse me, is where we are going to... Uh, begin our message this morning. Here, Batman, or Joshua, says this, and many are familiar with this verse. If you're familiar with this verse, raise your hand. Joshua 1.9, yeah, very familiar. He says, have I not commanded you, instructed you? Be strong and courageous. i got to pause here, because most people think salvation is just this little land, little euphoria. 
So if that's the case, why would Joshua have to say, be strong and, and, and uh, courageous? Yeah, I can get it out. And he says, do not be afraid. Wait a sec. I thought, I, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your God will be with you wherever you go. Very powerful words from Joshua as they're preparing themselves, if you remember last week, to get into the promised land. And we're going to be talking about that in the message. So with our verse read, I do have a question for you to continue God's plot line of life and to get you into God's property or in His delight. Here's the question. Anybody shocked I have a question? Here's the question. In your day-to-day -day functioning, is your belief, yours, your belief or concept about living right, that's righteousness, and activity, that's justice that goes with righteousness, winning the battles in life? Or are you losing ground with God and people? So simply, is your definition of what righteousness and justice is winning the battles in life? Or are you losing ground? Not only with God, but with people. It's a question we have to think about as we enter the next episode of God's epic story. Again, in the message I've titled, Entering the Promised Land. We are three weeks into the new year, and we are, as you just experience we are in the book of joshua now the book of joshua is the sixth book out of the 66 books in the bible there's 39 in the old testament 27 in the new testament under the christian protestant tradition now if you're curious there are 73 books in the bible in the christian catholic tradition and yes both Protestant and Catholic doctrines fall under the umbrella of Christian theology. We need to get out of our caves, folks. They fall under the umbrella of Christian theology no matter what expressed beliefs, opinions, or personal preference may be compelling your life. Are you with me? We have to stay open-minded with the responsibility of God's righteousness and justice to understand the Christian faith uh, faithfully and fully. Because often we get backed into a corner in our back caves. Can I put it that way? And we get stuck in our tombs. And we need to be raised from the dead. I don't know if you've heard about this faith called the Christian faith. We need to be raised from the dead. Now, last week, we ended the message dividing waters at the banks of the Jordan River, where Moses finishes his final speech. That is the entire book of Deuteronomy. Before Israel, God's children, enter the promised land. And it's here 
we enter God's epic story today. And it is the book of Joshua where Joshua, the Batman of the Bible, are you still with me? With his wisdom, uh, uh, boldness, and courage, or, or let me put it this way, with his obsessive passion, much like the character Batman, is commissioned to be the next superhero who leads Israel into the promised land to battle human evil in the land of salvation. This is important in the New Testament. There's the connection. So go with me to where Joshua is past, is past the projector of light, much like the bat signal, to signal the world of God's light of goodness. So Joshua 1, 1 through 3. Let's go back there and let's get this uh, Batmobile going, I guess. I don't know. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, need to pause here because Moses was the aid of Moses. Is that right? Did I get that right? Give me a break. I'm going on sabbatical here in a moment. So. so Joshua is the aid of Moses in the Torah or in the first five books of the Bible there. Moses, he says, my servant is dead. Another funeral. If you've been around here. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to, what? Cross. Am I right? Now then, all you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised who? Moses. Now, as shared last week, with these verses read, recall what I said and shared with you, dry land in Scripture is a symbol of salvation. Are you with me? This is important because you're going to read the Bible, and as you get to land versus water and all these other different symbols, that dry land is a symbol of salvation. Recall Back in the book of Exodus, during the parting of the Red Sea, God's children advancing through the dry land when Moses divided the waters, which was a taste of salvation. I need that to pause in because there's a lot of people who say they're a Christian and they're just tasting it. They're not quite there yet. Are you with me? From there, they, the children of God, Rome in the wilderness for 40 years in their ignorance, in their errors, and their inattention to God's direction to salvation. We see this being played out practically in the book of Joshua, and, well, in, in the Torah. And we finally get to the book of Joshua where they arrive at the banks of the Jordan River before entering the promised land. And here we have to ask the question, in God's epic story, what is the River Jordan's significance in the Bible? The Jordan River, since biblical times, has been soaked with powerful symbolic meaning. Very abstract, I get that. And it represents a boundary 
and a crossing point of spiritual rebirth and salvation and is a source of what is called sanctification or the water in the river represents the holiness of God. Sanctification through his righteousness and his justice. It's the book of Amos now, one of the books of prophets, that shares the symbolism of this water, Amos 5.24. And it says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And this symbolism is important to understand as we uncover God's epic story, yes? Yes, because rivers and streams throughout the Bible, and as you're looking at rivers and streams, naturally can remind you of this story, but those rivers and streams flow throughout the storyline of God to tell us something. For example, Jesus' baptism happened in what river? The Jordan River. The river might have some significance and just might be saying something about the righteousness and justice of God. Just saying. Just meaning justice. Are you with me? So where we're at now, like Batman analyzing problems in Gotham City, let's look at righteousness and justice to understand God's crossing point and His boundary to get us into His land or into salvation or into His delight. Let's do that. Now, simply and generally put, here are the definitions of righteousness and justice. First, let's define righteousness. It's on the back. You don't have, oh, that's right, it's not up here. <laughs> Y'all see it? Do you have it? If you have you version, you're with me. If not, pay attention closely because it's, it's easier, I mean, it's, it's difficult to hear, but be with me on this. Here's the definition of righteousness. Righteousness refers to a standard. Everybody say standard. Of, here comes a tricky part, of right equitable relationships between God and and people, hear this, no matter the social differences, no matter the culture, no matter uh, the class of person, no matter the gender who's with me. I got people who will not step foot in the church because we believe in righteousness. And guess what? Everybody is equal, even man and women. <gasps> We're all created in the image of God. So we'll keep those enemies away and we'll continue to do what we've got to do at Elevating Life Church. But let me break that down just a little bit more. Righteousness refers to a standard. Now, standard is just refers to um, a normal way of doing things based on an agreement. Okay? A standard, a norm. Of now, let me break this down. So righteousness refers to a standard of right, equitable. Everybody say equitable. <laughs> Not easy to say, is it? Relationships. Now, let me break that word down because we have to understand it. And yes, there is a relationship with equality with this word. You can see it, yes? But let me give you what it is. Uh, it is basically a person or a group of people, be it a marriage or be it an organization, be it a body of Christ, a church, 
that has self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit, or is not easily um, angered or freaked out about things, right? And are even-tempered. Now, when I say even-tempered with skill, you got to be careful because a lot of churches want to bring you in and take personality and passion out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using the emotions God gave us to add personality. You're welcome. But it, it is up to us to have those type of relationships because let's read it again. Righteousness refers to a standard of right, equitable relationships between God and nobody else. It's just me and God. Wrong answer, my friend. Whoever human being wants to believe that, it's a myth. Between God and people. You mean my people? <laughs> it's implying all people. You want to have a solution, a resolve to some of the issues that's going on around this world? God's righteousness. Do you see that? You want to have peace in your home? Righteousness. You want to have peace in your marriage? Righteousness. You want to have peace in the church? Righteousness. On the other hand, we have justice. Thank you. Justice refers to now, check this out, concrete actions that one takes, a person takes, to correct injustice. That means to get things back into line with God's righteousness or to create His righteousness. You see, righteousness is all about belief. Justice is all about action. And belief plus action equals faith. We've got to put these two together in the sense of the divine understanding. And this is the best definition. Is there something better? I don't know. I haven't been able to find it. I'm a pretty good investigator. But I'm staying open. Perhaps a Martian will come down and tell me something different. I don't know. But we have to understand, we've got to get God's definition, not ours, because that's what's causing all the functioning in our day-to-day -day operation, in our functionality. So righteous, there you have it, righteousness and justice. And it is essential to know both righteousness and justice so that they will then drench your life and the life of God's people like a, a rushing stream that fills a dry riverbed. Who's with me? So as already shared, righteousness is the boundary. You can see that practically in the Old Testament. But the spiritual boundary in salvation where we sit today, is the boundary of God's promised land or goodness. Justice, on the other hand, is used to get a person to cross over into God's righteousness, into his salvation. And once that happens, once a person is there in his delight, in the will of God, adjustments, adjust, adjustice, adjustments are necessary to cultivate and or work life or to redeem life, rebuild it according to God's way. Who's with me? I mean, does this make sense? Are, are you truly with me? This is important. Now question, in, in where we sit today, who is the only one who can justify 
that we need to adjust our life to, who is the only, only one who can justify a person crossing over to God's righteousness in the New Testament times. Who is it? Amen, you pass. Jesus. Jesus is the justice you need to cross over to salvation to work your life. There is no other way. Jesus is the only just way to cross over and enter God's promised land or good reality and cultivate the land, your land, your reality. Now, once a person takes concrete actions through Jesus, asking him to be their savior, that's what's happening here, crossing over, Asking Him to be their Savior, which then again crosses them over to the land of salvation. All the other elements of salvation then, because there's just not one piece to salvation, there's many, all the other elements of salvation can be cultivated or worked to gain divine wisdom through God's justice. It's the work in salvation in God's land now, in the promised land, that caused the Apostle Paul to say, you must work out your salvation. Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, Paul says, as you have always obeyed, mature, following direction, yay, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, I interpret this, he's going on sabbatical. (laughs) Continue to work out your salvation with fear, that's God's fear, and trembling, that's action. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill God's purpose. And what is God's purpose? God's purpose, once again, I'll share this weekly, is to bring to earth, land, the life and presence of heaven, now and for all eternity. Our goal is not heaven. Our goal is eternity. And our purpose is to bring to earth the life of heaven with the goal of gaining wisdom as we cultivate the fear of the Lord. Back to Matt, Matt. Joshua. I didn't forget about Joshua. Now, if you know the book of Joshua, the Old Testament, sixth book, he leads Israel into the goodness of God or into his promised land. And guess what? It's not what they expected. And that is precisely the reality where we sit today. Salvation is not what people expect. Why would it be? It's it's a whole new reality, opposite of the world's value system and life. Hence, the first command of Jesus, Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are you with me? We see this repentance lifestyle of God's people. 
when Moses, back in Exodus now, Moses leads people out of Egypt, out of slavery, abuse and, and oppression, that then gets them to that Jordan River where Joshua encouraged them to take the next step and cross over to God's land. Therefore, once this happens, a new life, a rebirth is understood, even in the Old Testament, is understood as being born again. As the second command or teaching of Christ says, be born again. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Has anyone ever heard of the Abrahamic covenant? Another word for covenant is promise. It's a promise God made with people in the Old Testament that allows them to cross into God's promised land or His righteousness, hence being born again, new life. Being born again secures the promise God made with people all the way back to Abraham in the book of Genesis, both practically and spiritually. That's called a relationship. And rebirth is required to secure God's promise to people. It's the rebirth that secures God's rightful way of living, righteousness, then and and now. However, in the New Testament, let me put it this way, this promise, Abrahamic promise, along with all the other promises or covenants in the Old Testament, that's the Noahic, the Mosaic, and the uh, Davidic law or covenant, excuse me, are all then fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus. Notice the names, Noah, right? Moses, David, and Abraham. They're all people like you and I. So God gave those promises a little bit at a time in the Old Testament. I call the Old Testament junior high. We got to get to high school. And here comes Jesus is like, I'm going to take all of those promises, bam, through me. One conduit. And now we're in the New Testament time. Does that make sense? Maybe filled in some gaps there for your understanding. So let me just quickly, there's a, let me give an understanding of what a promise or a covenant is when it comes from God. A covenant is where God makes promises and then asks His partner. If you're a partner with God, you're born again, you're a personal, raise your hand. He asks his partner to fulfill specific commitments. Not general, just me and God and just... No. Specific commitments in exchange. It's a partnership with God rather than an isolation or distinction with Him. And it's a partnership that is going to take wisdom, courage, and Obsessive passion for clearing out the human evil in the promised land of God or salvation. So please understand, when you step onto the dry land, remember what that symbol is, salvation of God, and His boundary of righteousness, it's only the justice, Jesus of God, that will clear out the human evil in you first and who you are and what you do, and then you get to be a leader to others. Did I say first? 
I did. You are responsible for yourself first, then to others. Never the other way around. And isn't it interesting that most Christians won't control themselves, but do everything in their power to control everyone else? Come on, can I get an amen? Come on, people that live with control freaks. Again, just saying. Now, what does this mean for you? Controlling yourself means once you have repented, your, your worldview is spot on with God's goodness, and are in good standing in the delight of the Lord with God, and that's salvation, the land of salvation, or the promised land, you must then take responsibility for your life in the partnership or covenant made with God, the one you made with Him. It's not a passive reality. Now, with God's righteousness and justice in place in your life, you get to adjust your feelings and attitude and behaviors and choices and values and and limits and talents and thoughts and desires and love to the certainties of God's promise. That is, if you're willing to fight well with God to clear out all the enemies that reside in your heart, mind, and soul. Similar to the fights in Joshua. 13 battles in all in salvation. It's not what you expected. 13 battles in all is seen in the book of Joshua to clear out the enemies of God in his promised land understood as salvation. Are you with me? Just as Joshua, Batman, and the Israelites had to clear out the enemy, you, in the land of who you are, first and foremost, with God and others, a support system, have to fight and get the enemy out of the salvation or dry land that you're living in with God and other people, the will of God. So let me say this. Today, allow Joshua, Batman, as I, as I have deemed him. There's no theology on that. Okay, this is Pastor Drake. Pastor Drake said, hey, that's a freaky church over there. I'll hear it. <laughs> I have deemed Joshua that. Nobody else. Maybe he'll catch on. I don't know. But along with Joshua, along uh, is the, the nation of Israel entering the process. Use this as an example uh, of what it means to be saved by God's righteousness and allow God's justice to flow through you like a river. A stream of holiness that enables and empowers you to, to meet the demands of reality. Not your little reality. We're talking reality above all things where God sits and bringing it back to your personal relationship where you get to truly live a life that matters. So we got to have a character that meets that reality no matter what. And let me say with God's wisdom, courage, and obsessive passion. So again, the question
question in your day-to-day functioning is your belief, your cave, concept about living right, righteousness, and the activity there, justice, winning the battles of life? Or are you losing the ground with God? Well, now you have a resolve, a solution. Ending where we began, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Elevating Life Church, the message, entering the promised land. Amen? Thank you.